is Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. I'm Rituparna Basu. Today I'm excited to be speaking via Skype with healthcare expert Greg Scandalin. Mr. Scandalin has had years, decades of experience in the healthcare industry. So, Greg, welcome to the program. Well, great to be here. Thank you. Thanks. So I'm interested today in getting your perspective on some of the common myths about the American healthcare system. You know, there's so many things people believe that I think simply aren't true. Um, and, that, and that believing these myths certainly shapes, you know, people's views about the direction of the American healthcare system, where we should be going. Um, and now you've written a lot about these myths, and um, you know I think it's so important to get straight on the facts before you can have any real meaningful conversation about healthcare reform. So I want to start, you know, I just want to get into some of these big myths out there, um, and I want to start with this overall view that people have about American healthcare, especially in today's context, right? Especially in the context of Obamacare where they say, well, look, thank goodness we finally have Obamacare, right? Because, you know, the healthcare system before it was basically this free market. And we can all attest that that was so messed up, so screwed up, so problematic. So thank goodness for Obamacare. Now, is that your view? Is this true? <laughs> no, actually, um, let's just talk about the health insurance market for, uh, for, uh, for a minute uh, without even looking at the healthcare delivery side. Uh, the health insurance market is probably the most high and has been for many, many years the most highly regulated industry in the country. Um, and, and, and the regulation is, is, is a mess and has been a mess for a very, very long time. Um, uh, every state has its own insurance department that, that tightly regulates insurance companies, uh, particularly um, on on things like how they can invest their reserves, what their marketing material looks like, how much they can charge um, uh, uh, for premiums, it, it, it is really tightly tightly regulated. Um, and it's not only is it tightly regulated, but the regulations vary all over the place. Every state has has a different set of regulations, and typically in most states, there's one set of regulations for the individual market another set for the small group market, another set for the large group market, another set for Blue Cross Blue Shield plans, another set for HMOs. <laughs> um, wow. And, and that is just the fully insured market. The states are not allowed to regulate the large companies that self-fund their benefits, and obviously they're not allowed to regulate Medicare or, or even very much on Medicaid. Um, uh, so... So it's it, it, it is a uh, just a regulatory monster that uh, that adds enormous costs to to uh, to to the price of coverage uh, just because complying with all these varied re regulations is so expensive and um, along with those kinds of you know business regulations state legislatures love to mandate benefits right so, so if it's, if a state legislator, for instance, <laughs> decides that his uncle is an alcoholic and and needs treatment, uh, uh, they will go to the legislature and and uh, demand that health insurance companies cover alcoholism treatment. 
So it's basically, or or they may think that there's a big social policy and too many people going untreated for alcoholism. So rather than setting up a program and raising taxes to pay for it, they will mandate it on insurance companies. Um, and and so it's basically a tax for a social policy that is that is hidden from view. And of course, uh, there are four, some two thousand mandates like that across the countries in the 50 states and uh, 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 some states might have a hundred or more different mandates like that um, uh, in vitro fertilization and and coverage of nurse midwives and uh, just one thing after another and of course all of this raises costs now they may they may very well be good services um, but but they raise the cost of, of uh, of coverage, and the people that are paying those premiums always blame the insurance companies for for uh, raising raising premiums when they really don't have any choice. They've been told to by uh, by the state legislature. So, so your so, so your view is that you know so we didn't have this free market, and that in fact it was so regulated, and that these are what have really caused the problems. Is that accurate? Exactly right. In fact, it's governmental interference that 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 causes the problems in healthcare. Now, now I will stipulate that that on a product like health insurance or any kind of insurance, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you need some basic regulations because it is basically you're giving the company a, a very large amount of money in the hope that they will pay pay you when something bad happens. And somebody has to oversee that and make sure that the company is solvent and able to pay, pay claims when the time comes. So, so I have no quibble with that whatsoever. But, but the states, and uh, more recently the federal government, have just gone mad with, um, with, with fomenting social policy on the backs of the insurance companies mm-hmm. and, and basically on the backs of the people that buy uh, 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 insurance products. Now, how long has this gone on? Like, how long has health insurance been regulated in a way that you think, yeah, this has really caused so many problems? Well, it, um, I did a paper called "100 Years of Market Distortions," and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably when it comes to health insurance, there were there were two big big breakthroughs and distortions. Um, one was the advent of the Blue Cross Blue Shield system back in the 1930s and 40s, and uh, uh, Blue Cross is actually set up by the hospitals during the Depression because because the hospitals wanted to ensure a source, you know, a steady stream of revenues, and and Blue Cross was actually owned by the American Hospital Association for quite a few years. Um, uh, and its primary purpose was not was was simply to ensure hospital solvency, and hospital executives would have a majority on the board of directors. They would do a lot of other things, um, give discounts. The, the hospitals would give discounts to Blue Cross plans that were not available to other insurance companies, um, and uh, so so that was one of the early distortions in the market, and that was done through state enabling laws that that allowed Blue Cross Blue Shield plans to escape a lot of the 
uh, insurance regulations that other other companies had to comply with, you know, in terms of the size of the reserves and, and, and uh, that kind of thing. So they had a non-market uh, advantage, is what you're saying, compared to other insurers. Yes, yeah. The, the, the other insurers had to had to comply with a whole bunch of regulations that the Blues were exempt from. And how? So, so, so that means that you know, Blue Cross, however they they did things, that kind of became, um, you know, the way things were done. So, what were some of these very particular things to Blue Cross that now they have this non-market advantage? Now that gets established as common practice. Right. Right. Exactly right. But it, it, the, the, the biggest thing is the whole concept of third-party payment. Okay. And, and third-party payment is, is miles away from, from what insurance has always been. It, insurance has always been a two-party contract, you know, uh, 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 between, between the insurance company and the insured person. You know, the, uh, uh, one side of that will pay a premium, to the insurance company, and then the insurance company pays uh, uh, pays a claim when a loss occurs back to the uh, back to the insured person. Blue Cross doesn't work that way. Blue Cross is a third party payment arrangement where where I will pay premiums to to, to Blue Cross, and then Blue Cross pays doctor uh, pays a doctor to 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 see me when I need services. So, so this triangular relationship has just vastly distorted um, the relationships in healthcare. I mean, when I'm when I go to see the doctor and I'm sitting there in the examining room and he walks in with his clipboard, he is not working for me. He is working for uh, for my insurance company, and I don't know what the insurance company is paying paying him. You know, uh, and and I do not have confidence that he's working in my best interests when it's the insurance company that's paying it. Uh, Blue Cross started this model and had a great deal of market domination because of all these regulatory advantages it, uh, it had back in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. So all the other insurance companies tried to try to replicate what the Blues were doing. And they came up with the notion of assignment of benefits that 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 allowed them to to operate in a similar fashion, where um, I would assign the benefits the insurance company owed to me over to the doctor, and I would never see a check. In mm-hmm. fact, not only would I never see a check, I would have no idea how much the check was. Right. Um, so is the contrast today then to, for example, in car insurance, right? Like if I, if my, if I'm in an accident, I have, to, you know, the insurance company is just going to give me a check, and then I find my mechanic, and the insurance company has nothing really to say about that. And you're saying that kind of system doesn't exist because Blue Cross got this advantage, and so now the way they have been doing things, that's been entrenched. And I know you have a lot of views on why third party is so, you know, inefficient. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, uh, 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 yeah. I sure do. Um, <laughs> in fact, in fact, these days. Uh, well, before we get into that, let me get into one other other aspect, if I could, sure. uh, of uh, uh, of the uh, of of how government has distorted this market. Um, uh, and most people are, have have some awareness of this, but back during World War Two. Uh, uh, the government imposed wage and price controls on the entire economy, and and because all the 
so many men were 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 in the military fighting the wars in in Asia and Europe. Uh, there's quite a shortage of skilled labor, and because of wage and price controls, employers were not able to 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 up their wages to attract uh, skilled workers. So so instead, they started providing what was known at the time as fringe benefits, particularly health insurance coverage. And uh, uh, the the feds decided that benefits like that would not be considered compensation for tax purposes. So, so employer provided benefits were free of taxes to to the worker mm-hmm. and, and 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 to the company as well. Um, and 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 that made health insurance very um, very affordable, and uh, uh, and it. And it established this notion that it would be the employer that would provide benefits for most people, and and we've been wrestling with that problem ever since. And that does create a whole bunch of problems in mm-hmm. itself, mm-hmm. such as uh, if you if you change jobs, you lose you lose your coverage, and uh, you don't get to pick pick your own benefits. Your boss is doing it for you, right? And uh, 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 just one thing after another. And these days we're most families have two working spouses. You know, the the uh, the wife may be covered by one plan and the husband by uh, by a different plan, and uh, uh, then they have to figure out what <laughs> what to do with the kids. Right. And it's just a very confusing situation for everybody. So, so that's the other thing that uh, those are the two third party payment and employer provided coverage are the two kinds of uh, pillars of, of uh, distortions that everything else is based on. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very helpful. Um, now, that's health insurance. And so if I can, the takeaway there for me is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, there's this model of healthcare delivery. This might not be the best, the most economically efficient model. This might not be the way that healthcare is delivered um, on a free market. But because of government intrusion, this is now the way for most Americans. Right. Yes. Unfortunately, that's true. And uh, uh, we've been trying to change that. Mm-hmm. Um in part through programs like health savings accounts and and uh, do you want to talk about health savings accounts as a as an alternative approach? Um, sure. Why don't you give us um, a summary of what exactly those are and why they're an alternative? Right. Yeah, health savings accounts carves out some of those expenses um, uh, in the form of a deductible. Generally, I mean, this is the way most of them are set up. Um, so, so instead of having first dollar coverage for all services that, that you might incur, or a nominal deductible of a hundred or two hundred dollars, you might have a deductible of three or four thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars, which which substantially su- substantially lowers the premium of coverage, the premium cost, and and in most cases that that reduction in premium costs can be put into a tax-free savings account so you can pay directly for services up to up to your de- deductible and and that is that is trying to correct for some of the problems that we face mm-hmm. um, uh, it's trying to help help people understand just how much um, uh, health health services cost and 
and sometimes they're surprised at, at at how much it is. Sometimes they're surprised at how little it is. Actually, mm-hmm. I mean, a physician's office visit may only cost you sixty dollars if you pay cash. Right. Um, and uh, uh, people assume uh, until they have this experience of having a health savings account, they assume that all of these things are are outrageously expensive and 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 that if it's not covered by insurance they can't get it it's simply not true you know? mm-hmm. and uh, uh, for most of the things that we do in healthcare it's really not that expensive or it doesn't have to be that expensive I mean once you can shop around and find a good deal and for mm-hmm. in, in uh, many cases so so health savings accounts they're one alternative to this third party payment system or at least a exactly. part, partly an alternative but you know is it correct that you know this is something that the government has said okay you can now have health savings accounts um, but you know that's just one way and presumably on a real free market where the government wasn't making these sorts of decisions right there could be perhaps even better ways to finance your health care yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And, and uh, uh, unfortunately, with all the regulations and uh, a monopolization that's been allowed mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the country, it, it becomes very, very difficult to to have that kind of innovation. Right. Um, yeah, there are a lot of other things going on too, um, like like uh, monopolization of hospital services is a huge problem. And, and 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 that is directly the result of government programs. So uh, tell me government. tell me more about that because you know Obamacare was supposed to deal with health insurance costs um, in one mm-hmm. way, and you know we have views on whether that has happened or it hasn't happened. But something else that's really been on people's radar now, um, and there's been a lot of commentary and major publications about, is unaffordable hospital costs. That why are hospital costs so high? Why do you risk bankruptcy if you have the littlest medical problem and you have to go right. to the hospital? Now most people, I feel, think that it's the same kind of issue as health insurance, where look, they're basically free. These hospitals can charge whatever they want. So they're charging these exorbitantly free, uh, high rates. Um, and so we need more regulation. We don't have enough regulation here. Um, is, is, and I have, I have a sense that's not your view. <laughs> well, well, no, the hospitals are also extremely highly regulated. Uh, okay. um, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, but but in terms of costs, one of the big problems in the hospital industry is what is what is known as certificate of need. Uh, certificate of need essentially has a, a a state board that decides whether or not a new hospital can be built or whether an existing hospital can expand its services and and uh, uh, and and essentially it's a it's a wonderful protection for incumbent hospitals. Because because they can politically prevent uh, competitors from coming in under underpricing them, and it it is just I mean if you look into this it is just a really horrible condition mm-hmm. <laughs> because for instance not too long ago there was uh, some people wanted to build a, a a hospital in Seattle to 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 service the Pacific Rim. Rim countries, Korea, Japan, uh, Taiwan, okay. and uh, uh, with you know 21st century American healthcare, um, and and the Washington State uh, Certificate of Need Board 
would not allow them to build it because they said, um, well, in Seattle, we have X numbers of people, and that X number of people only need Y beds, Y number of beds. So, so, so we already have that. So, so therefore, we're not going to allow a new facility to, to be built, even though these people didn't didn't intend to mostly serve the Seattle area. They were trying to do international health care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that facility was never built. So it, is the uh, idea behind the certificate of need, I mean, is this too simplistic to put it as, you know, so the government is able to keep the supply down of these medical services, and so now you're going to see higher costs. Exactly right, yeah. Okay. And, 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 and not only keep the supply down, but keep the innovation down. Um, and, and the hospital industry really needs some innovation. I mean, in fact, the whole concept of a medical center is flawed, in my opinion. Uh, uh, that that there will be one building in mm-hmm. the middle of town that everybody goes to for everything. Um, uh, uh, that is insane, you know, <laughs> because mm-hmm. because I mean, just for instance, why would you put people with infectious diseases in the same building as you're putting people with open heart surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 that creates enormous problems for even for something like infection control. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it makes no sense. In fact, one of the bright spots in the hospital industry in recent years has been the advent of physician-owned hospitals. Uh, and these are generally specialty hospitals that will specialize in cancer care um, uh, or cardiac care or hernia care. And they'll get very, very, very good at doing one thing or or one set of things. Um, and their quality is superb. Their costs are low. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but not surprisingly, the American Hospital Association hates that idea, mm-hmm. and and has succeeded in um, uh, in getting the federal government to to um, curtail them. In fact, part of Obamacare is a prohibition on any new physician-owned uh, hospitals. Okay, so um, I guess my question here, so you're saying, you know, that on a market, there might, you know, we might have very different looking ways of providing health care than the traditional hospital that Americans think of. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like, and you're saying this is contributing to cost, but you hear so often that, well, innovation is the problem that is contributing to our cost problem, that technology is contributing to our cost problem. So how do you, uh, you know, hold those two different views? Right, right. Uh, Well, unfortunately, um, the innovation has not been innovation on economizing because the hospitals Mm -hmm. have I see, see no value there. In every other industry in the country, innovation has led to lower costs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, except in healthcare. And and part of the reason for that, I believe, is because uh, the hospitals are non-competitive, mm-hmm. and they have guaranteed income from third-party payers. So so they so they place no value in lowering costs. Um, uh, I mean, why lower cost if if you've got a monopoly position in the market? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so, so, so yes, there's there's plenty of technology 
in hospitals, but it's cost it's cost adding technology rather than cost controlling technology. Okay, so maybe the principle then is something like you know in a free market innovation, you know innovation is a cost cutting kind of tool, whereas it seems like it's you don't you know it's not really market in healthcare. So whatever it is, this government controlled system, that's where innovation becomes very very yes. costly. You're exactly right. You put that very well. Okay. And, and, and and this is not just theory. I mean, we can mm-hmm. see that around the world. Um, uh, another thing that's happened recently is medical tourism, where uh, where Americans will go to India, go to Thailand, actually go to Mexico, or or for for dental care, go to Brazil for cosmetic surgery, and uh, uh, and again the costs are are you know ten percent of what they are in the states, and 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 again the quality of the care is superb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, so, so the kind of high tech healthcare that we that we think of these days does not have to be that expensive if it is a competitive market that is paid for by the patient. Right. Um, uh, and and those are the two, those are the two big considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, I want to move on now um, to something that I think most people agree is a major problem in our healthcare system. And I know you've written that you don't agree with this. Um, And it's this idea of fee-for-service payment. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's this view that, look, in America's healthcare system, right, a doctor gets paid for every service that he performs. Um, And so, of course, he has the incentive to want to perform a lot of services, uh, perhaps unneeded services even, because, look, he's going to get paid more. Um, And this is the big problem. This is why healthcare costs are so expensive. And so we have to kind of change this way that doctors are paid or hospitals are paid. Now, what is is your view on this? Is this a big issue? Yeah, you're absolutely right that almost almost everybody in health policy believes that, and almost everybody in health policy is wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, because virtually everything that we do in the course of a day, we do on a fee-for-service basis. I mean, if you want to get a haircut, if you want to go to the movies, if you want to, if you want to go out to eat, uh, uh, if you need your oil changed, you always pay a fee for the service. Always, always, always. That's true. And and uh, none of it is particularly inflationary. Why is that? Because if 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 I'm going to 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 get a haircut and one barber charges me twenty five dollars and another barber charges me fifteen dollars for for equal results, I will go to the lower cost <laughs> barber. Mm-hmm. Or or even if I go to the same barber all the time, you know, he might want to give me a weekly haircut, but I will say no. I'd rather not have a weekly haircut. My, right. um, uh, I would rather not spend the money and get my hair, haircut monthly. You know, um, uh, and, and and that's true across the board in every part of the economy, except to healthcare and higher education. And, okay. And 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 in both cases, um, the problem is third-party payment. In the case of higher education, it is uh, through through, through all the government loans that seem to be free money when when you're when you're going to school, and mm-hmm. in fact, higher education 
the rate of inflation on tuition for higher education is double the rate of inflation of health care. <laughs> really? And, yeah. And, uh, um, it, but in health care, um, the whole problem is third-party payment. That is what makes us unique. That's what makes this segment of the, of the economy unique. And, and these are the only two segments that, 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 that operate that way. Somebody else is paying the bill. And even if you're paying your own insurance premiums, which actually is pretty rare. I mean, it's usually your, your boss is paying your insurance premiums. Right. But, but even if you're paying your own, once you've paid your premium, you want to get all the services you can. You know, um, uh, why not? You know, I've already paid my $300 this month. Uh, so, so I might as well get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And and the incentive is all for overutilization, and no concern by anybody about how much it costs. Even the insurance companies don't care that much, frankly, because mm-hmm. because uh, the more the healthcare services that they're covering costs, the higher they can charge their premiums. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so so there is no one in the business that's concerned about healthcare costs. Everybody talks about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody really cares. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, because no one has personal skin in that game. And that's why health savings accounts are beginning to, uh, actually they're doing quite well in the marketplace, because finally uh, uh, people care about the cost of the services they consume. Mm-hmm. So the real um, problem then is that, in your view, is that, well, we have this entrenched, th- this third-party payment system that's been entrenched, and it's very, very inefficient, I think, you know, for most people, um, but the f- point is that it's really been entrenched by the government. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. And, okay. and, and most people are not happy with it. You're right. But, but they just get it on the job. They, mm-hmm. they accept whatever their boss, boss provides them, so mm-hmm. it's no skin off their teeth. And, and so why do they care? You know, right. I mean, it's, it, it's, like, it's like you're not choosing the mm-hmm. system for yourself. Somebody else is choosing it for you. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask you, I mean, when you're explaining, well, look, you know, we have fee-for-service and everything else in every other area of our lives, and we manage, and it's not a big deal. And that makes total sense to me. So why do people keep saying that's the problem in healthcare? It seems kind of crazy. Um, I, it's it's one of my biggest frustrations. Uh, huh. I, uh, I, I, I don't know, I think, because everybody's invested in the system the way it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, and... And and you're absolutely right. I will I will make this argument, and people will change the subject. Um, yeah. Or they will think that people uh, that uh, that the average consumer is too stupid to to uh, to know what to do in healthcare, to know what to ask for. Um, and uh, uh, so, therefore, you need sharp-penciled insurance executives policing all this. But uh, but that's absurd, you know. <laughs> I mean, Americans are perfectly capable of making these decisions in other complex areas of their lives. Right. I mean, even something like criminal law, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you might be locked up in Rikers Island, and 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 you're still able to to uh, to to find an attorney to represent you. I mean, uh, 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 healthcare is not as unique as people like to think it is. Right. No, yeah, I mean, we don't give people as much credit as they deserve. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to, I actually have other questions as well for you, um, but this has been so interesting. So I want to wrap up with one question. Um, and that is, I'm going to get back to health insurance. I mean, you've done a lot of good work there, and that is where the debate is right now, what to do with health insurance. And I want to get your advantage of, you know, you're an expert in this, this whole idea of risk pooling. And I know you've written Ooh. about this because there's so much confusion about it um, that people don't really understand what it is. And, you know, President Obama will say all the time, well, look, wh what we're doing in Obamacare is that we're pooling risk. And so the government is helping pool risk. And that sounds pretty okay because we know insurance is all about risk pooling um so are they talking about the same thing uh no okay. <laughs> uh, um uh, a lot of people have uh, seem to misunderstand the concept of risk pool they think it's what it is it's just a a big pool of money that, that that you can dip into when you need a service and uh, uh, uh so so the bigger the pool the more money there is um, uh, the better because everybody has more uh, there's more water in the pool to dip into um, and uh, uh, nobody's disadvantaged that that completely distorts the concept of risk pool okay in a risk pool it it emphasizes the pool side instead of the risk instead of the risk side and what is being pooled with a risk pool are risks and okay. and uh, uh, and all of the money that's dedicated or allocated to to the pool is already um, uh, dedicated to something I mean it's not just a free-flowing grab bag of money that hmm. anyone can dip into Hmm. It, it is contractually obligated. Uh, so, so if I am, if I'm paying my premiums, um, uh, uh, the company I'm paying the premiums to has a contractual obligation to cover the benefits that we've agreed to. Sure. So, so, so they calculate what those benefits are going to be, what it's going to cost them, and therefore how much premiums need to come in. Um, and and there's no like unallocated uh, a piece of that that pool that pool of money. Um, so what is the impli all. what is the implication of that if you do hold it like that? Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, the the it, it's not true that the bigger the pool, the better. Um, oh, okay. Uh, in fact. You can get all of the advantages of pooling risks with about tw somewhere between twenty thousand and sixty thousand people. Okay, so and, we don't have to get and, all of America in one giant Obamacare risk pool. Absolutely not. In fact, okay. in fact, when you do that, you have diseconomies of scale that 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 that, that undermine the pool. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, so, so the whole idea of the risk pool is you need enough people to have a balance of risks. You need some good risks, some 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 bad risks, and, and and you put them together and 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 no one is particularly disadvantaged. But all you need to do that is about twenty thousand people. Hmm. You know uh, and and then you have all the advantages of any risk pool. Um, and there are no further advantages in making the pool bigger. Okay. So is it fair then to say that, um, you know, 
the proponents of Obamacare have used this, you know, misunderstanding. Insurance is complicated, right? So they've used this misunderstanding about how insurance works. They've used that to their advantage to, in a way, you know, mislead people about what they're really doing. Right. Yeah, they they pretend they know what they're talking about and they don't. Hmm. Um, uh, and they use insurance lingo to 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 sound well informed when when they really don't understand the concepts. Right. You know, another one is adverse selection. You will hear advocates talking about adverse selection a lot. And, okay. And adverse selection is an important consideration in any kind of insurance market. Mm-hmm. But but there, but there are two sides to adverse selection. The other. The other side is what's um, what's known as moral hazard. So, so the adverse selection, the principle of adverse selection is people people will buy the benefits that they know they're going to use. So, so, so if you allow people to buy to buy anything, they will stock up on the benefits that they're, that they're most likely to use. Sure. And and. Uh, uh, so, so you're losing some of that risk pooling ability that way, but but it's all and, and and that is true. But it's also true that if you buy benefits you don't think you're going to need, you're likely to use those services even though you may not need them, mm-hmm. and that's the moral hazard part. Sure. So so if I am required to buy uh, psychiatric social worker services. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when I don't particularly want them, mm-hmm. once I've paid for them, I'm more likely to go see a psychiatric social worker, sure. whether I whether I have any burning need for one or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. I've already paid for it. Why not? Mm-hmm. And and that's what's known as moral hazard. So insurance is a very, um, I don't know, it, 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 it's a balancing act between the two principles: moral hazard and adverse selection. Okay. And and and. and and it's not easy to get just the right, um, just the right balance between those two factors, uh, okay. and and that's what actuaries work on doing. I mean, that that is their specialty. Okay. Um, and so, how does Obamacare and, relate to this issue? Like, are they uh, trying to do the same thing, or what, what's going on with this adverse selection moral hazard issue? Because insurance companies deal with this on a daily basis, and they do it pretty well, right? I mean, they have ways of right. dealing with this. Right. It, it, they. they Obamacare is is fixated on adverse selection. That's why they have mandatory coverage, because uh, uh, because they figure that if that, that there won't be any adverse selection if everyone's required to buy coverage, but they completely ignore the problem of moral hazard. And, and, mm-hmm. and if everyone is required to buy coverage, then after they bought it, they'll, they'll use it. <laughs> they'll right. make the most out of it. Um, and you know, it's commonly said that 30 percent of all the health care services that we that we get in this country are 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 needless. So they're, 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 it's 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 basically wasted money. Mm-hmm. So so Obamacare, the Affordable the Affordable Care Act, will greatly increase that problem because because everybody is being required to buy things they don't want. Right. But 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 even if they may not want it, once they paid for it, they'll go get it. Right. I mean, I guess one way, um, you know, I think about the difference between real insurance and Obamacare is, you know, 
insurance companies, they have a lot of tricky things to deal with, like adverse selection, moral hazard. But their whole the perspective they're always coming from is we have to convince people to, you know, enter this insurance scheme that we have going on. Um, we have to make it valuable to them. And it's the government doesn't have that. I mean, they are, no, you're going to participate in this and we're going to decide how it works. Um, and then that, of course, creates all sorts of, of, of problems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because... It- because it's, uh, uh, you know, the insurance industry has had to sell people on what they uh, what they provide, right? Uh, 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 in a free market, so they've had to uh, not a free market, but a, but but at least in a market, mm-hmm. so they've had to convince people that what they're what they're selling is worthwhile. But but if it's mandated, then then that's completely out the window. Mm-hmm. And in fact. Uh, uh, it's kind of interesting the the big um, trade organization of, of insurance brokers and agents, mm-hmm. which is the, called the NAHU, the National Association of Health Underwriters, was all for Obamacare because because they thought it would be you know <laughs> just delightful that 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 people would have to buy the products that they sell, hmm. but. But it never occurred to them that if people have to buy it, why does anybody need them to sell it? <laughs> right. So, right. So, so, so they are completely irrelevant now uh, um, uh, uh, because nobody needs an insurance agent if, if you're required to buy it. Right. So they really they, have become the middlemen that people are always accusing them of. Right, right, right. And, 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 and normally I'm actually a big fan of middlemen. Right. Um, uh, because uh, because they uh, because they make the world go around. Quite frankly, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean the old Soviet Union produced lots and lots of wheat, uh, uh, but but because they didn't like middlemen, there was no way of getting the wheat to the bakeries to to, to the consumer. <laughs> you know, they, they they skipped over that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and real uh, insurance is not a middleman, right? Like they're providing a real value by. Accurately right. pooling risk, and you need them. Right. And today, it's well, they're not even able to do that. So, yeah, what do you need them for? Yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and you do need the middleman to 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 hook up the buyers and the sellers, sure. so that they can find each other. You know, I, I, I mean, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Right. But but you're absolutely right. Um, uh, in the government government mandated system, you've got no need for that. Right. Um, so I do want to thank you for being on the show and making the time. I think our listeners are really going to find this information really helpful in thinking about healthcare reform issues. Okay. Happy to do it. You've been listening to Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. This episode with guest Greg Scandalin is titled Myths About American Healthcare. Greg Scandalin is a healthcare expert with more than 30 years' experience in writing and speaking on issues surrounding healthcare reform. You can read his insights about American healthcare at healthblog.ncpa.org. Episodes of this podcast are available on the Voices for Reason blog or on iTunes. You can find more information about Ayn Rand and her ideas on the web at aynrand.org. I'm Ritu Parnabasu for I die.